Wow, you may be seated. Good morning. How is everybody? Wasn't that good worship this morning? Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? Love that. I love that. Well, we um, are very excited to see you. Welcome. My name is Pastor Kennan, and I'm the lead pastor here in Crosswalk. And listen, if you are new or visiting with us today, we want to welcome you. We want to say thank you for being here. You are our guest. If there's anything we can do to make you more comfortable, just ask any of us. We are all a team, and we're all here to make you uh, comfortable. You have coffee and water in the back, and we just invite you to that. So we have a wonderful time of worship together. We have been in a series uh, for the last uh, several weeks called Then and Now. And we've been looking at all kinds of ways that this congregation has been doing something that it's very famous for, loving all. It's part of our mission statement. People tell them, what are we loving all people into? A relationship with Jesus Christ, it's that simple. So it's been an incredible summer. We've talked about some of the founding uh, uh, people in our congregation, the founding pastors and congregations of our church, and we've visited three really important stories the last three weeks. We started with, of course, our founding pastor, Tom Shipp, who many, many, many moons ago was an associate pastor out of Highland Park UMC and who came here and had a heart for church planting. And then in Tom Ship's ministry, he developed this beautiful heart for working with alcoholics. And it was a touching story about how his ministry helped not only plant this church, but birth a 12-step ministry that is still in operation 70-something years later, 73 years later, across the street called the 12-step ministries. And now it's the largest alcoholic and, and any kind of addiction uh, rehabilitation program in North America. Let's get God Glory for Tom Shipp and his ministry. We also uh, visited a few weeks ago with Pastor Stan. And Pastor Stan reminded us of Bernice, uh, who was the first African-American woman who was uh, given membership in a United Methodist Church locally and maybe even in the country. And uh, that was uh, light years ahead of uh, the, the kind of uh, swell of the civil rights movement. And so this church was very instrumental in, in that uh, moment. And so I'm very proud to say that, you know, she paved the way and trailblazed in a way that we now have a very diverse and inclusive uh, congregation that may not look the same today if it weren't for her and others like her. And so that happened right here in Lover's Lane. Let's give God glory for Bernice and who she was and who her testimony is. And then last week, we visited a very, very uh, important story about uh, Dr. Bill Bryan, who is, uh, who is uh, one of the pastors, the previous pastors here, and how on Christmas Eve, <laughs> He came and, and brought to the baptismal waters twin girls of gay parents. And how beautiful this moment was for the church. Even though it was controversial in time, it is left an imprint on our congregation. And we've really seen the tent pegs blow out on who is included. When we say love all, we are really, really having a conversation here at our church about how to love all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories have been amazing. It explains the diversity around here. It explains the heart for unity around here. This week, though, we're going to take a turn in our series. We've talked a lot about then. 
Today we're going to bring that forward, though, and start talking about now. We're going to talk about how in 2017 we're facing new challenges, new things are coming our way, new issues. We're a new congregation. We're a, a new team of people who are, who are stepping into our shoes, and we're going to kind of flush out what might our story be. Of course, inspired by all of those who are coming before, and we stand on big shoulders, as I've shared with you. We've been learning from these amazing, amazing stories. It was through ordinary people that we got here. And what's amazing is here we are called again to share God's love. And we're just ordinary people. You and me are just like those people who have come before. We're just ordinary people with, a, with this amazing calling to love all. We're going to talk about what that looks like. But first of all, before I get into a little um, a message about this, I want to uh, show you some new swag that we have. You might notice the band and everybody's running around with one of these. I'm going to tell you how to get one of these. But let me tell you why you want one first. Not only is it cool to love all, if it's cool to love all, say, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is cool because it's our new Loving All logo. And if you turn, look at that. This is a heart, and it says all. And it kind of looks like the spire outside, right? And so, and then on the back of this shirt, it's kind of neat, right? Hashtag Loving All. And this is where we communicate with the world kind of how we're doing that. If you don't like T-shirts, that's okay. We have the car decal. It's kind of neat. Like, just smack that on your car, right? Hey, Didi, check that out. That's cool. And then, and then if that's not uh, cool enough for you, we have the dang yard sign. <laughs> you know, if you like go big or go home, I mean, this is like the, the one you want right here is the, is the loving all yard sign. Now, I'm going to tell you how to get this, but um, let me just first of all say that the first way that you're going to earn you some new swag today is you're going to pay super close attention to my message. I'm sorry about that. It's <laughs> really not fair, is it? But I'll tell you, it's an important message. It's not my message. It's God's message. And today's an important message because the message is on the great commandment. The great commandment. So let me uh, help you kind of set the stage. Let me help us kind of, kind of get to where this passage comes from in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to be looking in verse 34. So if you have a Bible app or a Bible with you, go ahead and pop that out. Go over to Matthew 22. We're going to look in verse 34. Jesus has had a series of debates by this time in Matthew with uh, a bunch of religious leaders. He's talked to the Pharisees, and he's talked to the chief priests, and he's talked to the elders of the church. He's talked to the elders of the, the church then was the synagogue. And then he's, he's had a little round with these characters called the Sadducees, another group of religious people. And let me tell you, anybody that think Jesus is like this nice guy, like in a shampoo commercial with pretty wavy curly hair that's nice and perfectly conditioned, that may be true, I don't know. But I will tell you this, Jesus is no pushover, right? Jesus has lit into these people, you know what I'm saying? Jesus has, like, uh, they've questioned his authority, and that's to no avail, right, for them. He has promised them that the hated tax collectors and prostitutes of his time will get to heaven before the religious leaders. 
It's a little scandalous, right? I love that. Yeah, that's the way I feel about it. (laughs) It's a great story. And then he told the religious leaders that the people that they despised were going to be the new cornerstones of the church. (laughs) I mean, this is really, really scandalous. He scolded them for their unfair, unkind, and unloving ways. How they were treating people who were considered outcasts. The Pharisees were always trying to trap Jesus. They were always trying to get Jesus into these conversations and then make him say something that would allow them to swoop in and kind of indict him and make accusation against him so that they could have him arrested and then ultimately killed. And they get there. But before that happens, he encounters a very important instance with these people. We're going to look at this scripture, Matthew 22, verse 34. It goes like this. When the Pharisees heard that the Sadducees had silenced him, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest. It's a trap, right? But Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And by the way, a second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Hmm. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, thank you for your son, the rebellious rabbi. God, let us sit at his feet this morning and learn what is the greatest commandment. Let us hear it from his words and from your heart, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you look at the Hebrew of this text, one of the things that's really important to know about it is that it's not like, hey, fellas, um, Jesus, which one of these commandments is the greatest? That's not what the Hebrew really says. The Hebrew says the question more like this. What kind of commandment is great in the law? So it's kind of like, what kind of commandment? Not necessarily, hey, choose out of these ten. It's, hey, what kind of commandment is great? This is a higher level of understanding than just picking out, you know, one of ten. Throughout the Old Testament, but also here in the Gospel of Matthew, what's important to know is that to love God equals keeping the law. The law of Moses, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and all of the scriptures of the prophets. So you've got a whole bunch of them, Jonah and Jeremiah, a bunch of them, a bunch of them. So it's important that we understand that. It's also important to realize that the problem here is not Jesus, and it's not God, and it's not the law. (laughs) 
Everybody thinks that the law is the problem. The law is not the problem. Contrary to what many believe, the law is actually very important. And it's not being diminished because of Jesus. Jesus has actually come to fulfill that law. So it's not like the law has an issue. What is an issue is that the law has been perverted by the religious leaders. Hmm? And he's calling them out on it right and left, right? Jesus points out to them, hey, fellas, you know when we interpret this law of yours in the Bible, therefore all of the law and all of the prophets, it must come through these two types of commandments, loving God. Now, the Pharisees would get caught up here, right? They would scorn Jesus for healing on the Sabbath day. Because that's not what the law said. The law says, do not heal on the Sabbath day. So to love God to them, their interpretation was, you follow the letter of the law. You obey the law. Do not heal on the Sabbath day. But Jesus takes it a step further and says, hey, I know I made an A plus on the answer to your question, Mr. Tester, but hey, a second law is like it. A second law is like it. Love others. Love others. In other words, God's law about murder, God's law about adultery, God's law was not just addressing these uh, sinful behaviors or the acts of sin. All of those thoughts that precede them are also included. So you may not be murdering anybody, but hey, if you're thinking that you wish someone were dead, you're a murderer. This is hard for the Pharisees. It's really turning their whole world upside down because here they think that just because they didn't murder anybody that they're okay. But you know, they're plotting to kill Jesus the whole time they're having conversation and Jesus knows their hearts. <laughs> so he's calling them out. He's adding to their understanding. Remember, I said the problem's not the law. And the problem is not God. It's not Jesus. Jesus is actually adding to the understanding here. And they responded with burning hatred toward him. Burning hatred toward him. So yes, Jesus was teaching the Pharisees a thing or two. Not just to love others, but to love others as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Remember that little thing from childhood that our parents, our, our mentors would, would kind of lift up to us as a rule in life? The golden rule. <laughs> The golden rule. Not do it unto others before they do it unto you. That is not the golden rule. <laughs> but you don't have to look far for it because you can just back up to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says this, And everything do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. In other words, he is asking them, hey, fellas, if you were sick <laughs> on the Sabbath day and you needed healing on the Sabbath day, would you want it? Well, of course you would. Of course you would. So you can't just interpret the law of God as like some robot, hey, no healing on the Sabbath. Because that's not taking into account the second law, to love others as yourself. <laughs> Because not healing on the Sabbath 
can be the most unloving thing you could possibly do. He's saying, use your brains here. Use your brains. You do not have to interpret the law of God in a way that is unloving to others. He's trying to show them, hey, it's not just about God's rules, right? It's not all about loving God. When you interpret it that way, because what it is about is when you love God, not the feely, touchy kind of love, but an agape kind of self-sacrificing, serving others kind of love. <laughs> it's really beautiful. A love that seeks the best for the one who is receiving the love. Jesus has been trying to tell them and show them the right way and the wrong way, right? Hey, guys, you're over here worried about people who are washing their hands before meals. But that's the least of your problems. You see, I can see into your heart, and your hearts are much filthier than anybody's hands that are being washed. In your personal journey to love God... In your spiritual journey to love God. Do you Pharisees think that you could kind of extend some mercy and grace to others along the way? And love them like you love yourselves, please? Now, we have some options today. Let's talk about now. We have some options today. We have heard the stories of very faithful leaders of our congregation leading up to now. These leaders who have left a very important imprint for us at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. And we've heard some stories of some leaders back in Jesus' time who didn't do it so well. That was then. But this is now. What are we doing now? That's the question. What are we doing now? You know, we could all sit here and, and do what a lot of churches do, and we could sneer, right, and ridicule the Pharisees, right? However, I'm sure that in doing that, we would kind of be missing the whole point that Jesus is trying to make. It would mean that our own hearts are dividing ourselves against the Pharisees. And you know, to do that would mean that we are labeling and, and putting labels on other people, right? And making judgments on other people and dividing ourselves from other people when we ourselves have a church that says we love all. You get the problem here, right? Because when we throw down those kinds of dividing lines, even if we were talking about the way that we're looking at a Pharisee today, if we do that, we do no longer love all. So let's get clear about the interpretation here. It's interesting how when we humans draw lines. One of the things that I've learned in years of ministry is that when we label other people or we oppress other people, we come to learn that God's usually on the other side of the line, on the side of the oppressed on the side of those being marginalized, on the side of those who are on the fringe. If you have a problem with me saying that, I would like for you to immediately, right now, go to your calendar, book an appointment with me, because I want to have a conversation with you about understanding grace. 
and what grace really does. Because grace, despite the fact that there are 613 Torah laws, grace, instead of, uh, in spite of the fact that there are these 10 commandments, can we put up these 10 commandments? In spite of the fact that there are these 10 commandments, the first four about loving God and the last six about loving others, despite the fact that Jesus says, hey, we can reduce all of these down to two, love God and love others. Despite all of that, grace says, but you can't just interpret it as the law of God without interpreting as the law of loving your neighbor. (laughs) That's what grace says. And that is our challenge now, church. It's us being on a mission to take up the lines and to open ourselves up to people and experiences and situations that may cause us to experience discomfort. If we want to love all, then that's what we have to do. You shall love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? How much of your soul? How much of your mind? Hmm. Lover's Lane has brilliantly (laughs) reduced these down to just two words. How concise of you all. It's amazing. Loving all. Loving God completely, loving others, all others. Hmm. I like this heart thing. It's kind of like an emoji on social media. It's really neat. I really like it. Who likes emojis? Anybody else? Cool. Thanks, Sarah. The main challenge that we face right now is being half-hearted in ministry. That's really what this all boils down to. It's about whether or not we're going to love with all of our heart or just half of our heart, right? I mean, there are some ways that, um, that we can recognize that we are living half-hearted. And I think these are important to lift up and talk about if we're going to have a conversation about really loving all people today. And let's see if they resonate with any of us. How about, like, when you have this sense in you that God is not pleased with you? (laughs) Or that God um, doesn't love us? There's something standing between God and us. That ever happened to any of you? God, it's happened to me. Like, I thought, why would God love me? Why would God care about me? How about when we don't love ourselves? What about when we walk in and we flip on the light, we look at ourselves in the mirror and go, oh, God. Ugh. Ugh, you again? Instead of seeing ourselves as made in the image of God, flipping on the light and going, ta-da! Right? Or what about how when we do not love others? 
We talked about seeing ourselves made in the image of God, but what about seeing others made in the image of God? All others. All others is hard because all others means all of those people I have a beef with, all of those people I have a gripe with, all of those people who are frustrating me, all of those people who said those naughty, nasty, mean things about me, all of those people who can't um, uh, vote right, and all of those people who, who just, you know, think against everything. All's hard. Because <laughs> we want to plot against those people, like the Pharisees, right? We want to want to get back at them. What about this one? The one where it takes like a crisis for you to understand and see like how spiritually messed up you are. <laughs> so it like takes somebody dying or something really bad or traumatic to happen in your life before you realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior and that the only answer is the cross of Jesus Christ. The one who covers our iniquities and stands us upright before God so that we all can truly know and experience the grace of God in our lives. What about that? What about those mundane day after day after day of living an unfulfilled life? Feeling like we don't live our purpose. Feeling like we don't do the things that we are called to do. Always making excuses for why we can't. I can't because I'm busy. I can't because my calendar. I can't serve others. I can't even, like, get dressed in the morning. <laughs> Does that resonate with anybody? I'm a parent. And if you have kids, you're lying right now. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to just get here. <laughs> right? So now we know the problem. The problem exists when we're operating half-hearted. You know, we're all sick when we're half-hearted. It's a problem. We believe in Jesus. That's not the problem. The problem is going all in. The problem is being reluctant to commit every single aspect of our life to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whether that be your bank account or whether that be your time or your service or your energy, whether that be your schedule and your calendar, it's hard. <laughs> what is this that we are being called to, this difficult thing? We go to church just like the Pharisees went to the synagogue, right? But we don't want to live out our life in faith every day. We don't want to do it if it deprives us of our success or the stuff that we really, really crave. Right? But remember, God was tested by one just like us, a lawyer. And God himself answered his question. And God ordered the answer in such a way that it protected the integrity of all of God's promises in Scripture. Love God and love others. And the whole enchilada hangs on this too. The whole thing. It was the birth of the rollout of the Loving God and Loving Others campaign in ancient times. Cool, huh? And then Lover Slain managed to do it in only two words. Loving all. I love that. Let me tell you about this greatest commandment 
Because this greatest commandment is the way to living wholehearted. Wholehearted living. While we may think that the pursuit of a life of faith can just be contained to our personal walk with God, we have to be moved beyond God. Because God says, no, not just love God, but another one's like it, love others. So we have to move to loving all. That includes God for sure, but it includes loving others. God calls us to share this love that we have in a personal relationship with God in a way that overflows. God calls us to have this relationship with Jesus Christ in a way that overflows out of our mouths and out of our lives and out of our sacrifice and out of our bank accounts and out of our heads and out of our creativity and out of our energy. God calls us to serve others and then gives us the power of the Spirit and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to ramp us up in that mission and in that outreach and in that evangelism, that it's good news for the world today. If we want to be wholehearted, that is where we must go with God. That is where we must go with God. We must go about the business of loving all. Loving all, get it? You want this shirt, don't you? So what is our story going to be? What's our story going to be? Who is being marginalized today that we need to bring in? Who? Oh, my. Can you imagine a church that truly loves all? There was a time where I really couldn't. But I'm starting to really believe that we can do this like a church that loves all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that whatever you wish other people would do for you, you do for them. <laughs> that is the mark of the legacy of Lover's Lane. The acts of love for other human beings are the marks of the heroes of this church. Seeing others as God's children it reminds me of that song we sang back in VBS. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Do you think that the glory days of loving all are over in this church? Hardly. <laughs> we have two people right out of crosswalk, right out of crosswalk at Lover's Lane, right now pursuing ministry through Perkins, Craig is going to be going into his internship this fall. Be in prayer for him. And we have another one right now who has just inquired about starting the process. You, congregation, you are loving all people in a way that is transforming. And God is equipping people through this congregation that will reach future generations of people. They will one day stand on our shoulders they will one day tell the stories of you. We must realize that the human condition, apart from God and God's wisdom, is given over to evil and to the flesh, to desires. But to understand God's grace, we have to know 
the motivations and look at our heart. Because it's a matter of the heart, you see. It's that wisdom that causes us to pick up the line and take off the label, right? That's a deadly source of strife amongst believers right now. But God gives us the cure, and you want to know what the cure is? It's also two words, greater grace. Greater grace. (laughs) I love that. I want you to look at the person next to you right now and say, God gives us a greater grace. Now I want you to look at the other person and ramp it up a little like you really mean it, okay? (laughs) You know this greater grace, friends, you know what it does? It counteracts earthly wisdom. We see how through the story of the Pharisees, which is also our story, that we need to counteract that earthly wisdom, and that's God's greater grace doing that. Now, you're probably wondering, well, all right, Pastor Kenan, that's all good and fine, but how do we get that swag? <laughs> I'm about to tell you. There are a bunch of ways that you can get some swag today. You're going to find these little brochures in the back. And they talk about how we are set up. That we offer many ways for our people to become connected to the life of this ministry. Many opportunities for people to pull alongside and allow us to pull alongside you and partner together in transforming the world for Jesus Christ. And man, there is all kinds of stuff. It's as easy as like showing up to collect an offering or tearing down or setting up or praying or doing just easy stuff. There's also some other things like small group leaders. Let me tell you something super exciting. I told you when I came here that I had a heart for small group ministry and we're about to kick off a whole bunch of them and you're going to hear more about that. 13 new classes starting, okay? 13 new classes, new ways for you to get connected into the life of this church. We need leaders for that and people who will send out emails. And we have people that need to be followed up on, visitors who come here in the morning. It takes you just 10 minutes in the car while you're driving back and forth to work to make a phone call to somebody and say, hey, man, I was glad you were here. (laughs) Or, hey, friend, you know, it really made a difference that you were in our worship service. God just pointed you out to me. And so it's all of us working together. It's all of us doing things like this. You sign up today for any of this. You're going to get this. We might even give you a yard sign and a, one of these. Show me this. Dee Dee, this is cool. Actually, you keep it. You keep it. Scott was funny in the, in the, in the Thrive service. He said, but if you put that on your car, you know what you're not supposed to do, right? <laughs> uh-uh. Don't be doing none of this, you know. I don't want to see any of that on, on Facebook. I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> you put one of these out in your front yard, there's some things, there's some rules, okay? Because <laughs> like, this is the big stuff. With God says if it give you a lot, you're responsible for a lot more. So, so I hope that you'll consider ways that you can do that. Let's be a wholehearted church serving together. Many hands make light work, okay? I love you. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and for all that 
you are doing as your spirit moves across the hearts of your people. Lord, thank you for adding understanding to what you already gave. Thank you for clarifying for us what it means to be your child, to be your church. Thank you, God, for the love and the grace that you show us. Help us, God, to pick up the lines that we draw, to take off the labels, and help us go about the business of loving all into a relationship with your son. Amen.